continuing our daily Bible reading uh, this week at we're in Second Chronicles this time chapter three. So we read about in chapter one uh, Solomon worships. Uh, he prays for wisdom in chapter two. He prepares uh, to build the temple. He doesn't just say I'm going to build a temple. He gets ready for that. He gets all the articles together, makes alliances, and and gets the materials he needs. And now in chapter 3, Solomon begins to build the temple. And there's all kinds of loaded phrases here uh, in, in significance and symbolism of, the, uh, of where this is located. It says, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. If you remember back in Genesis 22, this is the mountain where God tells, Mo, tells Abraham to sacrifice his son, his one and only son, and Abraham is faithful to God, and he's going to do it. Abraham is ready to take his life, and God stops him there. And and uh, then uh, Abraham looks up, and he sees a, a ram caught in the thicket. And instead of sacrificing his son, the ram is sacrificed. And, and Abraham says, God has provided. And, uh, that's, and so he renames that mountain, Mount Moriah. He says, the Lord, it's uh, going to be renamed, the Lord has provided. So it reminds us again that God would provide a lamb. And of course, you think ahead to Jesus Christ, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Instead of us being sacrificed because of our sin, uh, just like in the Exodus event, instead of the, instead of the oldest son dying, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost saves them. In other words, it's a reminder of the blood of Jesus Christ is going to cover us. And because, that we, because of that, we are going to be saved. That's where the temple is going to be built. It's a place of sacrifice. It's a place of reminding us that our freedom, our forgiveness has been won by the grace of God, by great sacrifice, great sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's why in our, in our churches, we have crosses in the front. What is a cross about? It's about sacrifice. It reminds us again of the sacrifice God was going to be most willing to make for us but also the fact that that's where our freedom comes from. And freedom never is free. There's always a price for it. Forgiveness means someone else paid for it. And Jesus Christ paid for us. So just a symbolism of the location where it's made. You might notice also that it's made in Zion. And it's made on Mount Zion. And the name uh, Mount Zion means to defend. Or, or really it actually means the word bald. In other words, up on a mountain with a clearing there, you could see everything around. You wanted a bald mountain to be able to see your enemies coming and be able to attack them. So it reminds them again of the fact that, that God is that fortress for us, that he's defending us. And, uh, and Mount, Sinai was, Mount Zion was a place where the temple was built, where they would come to God in need of defense from, from the world, from sin in the world and death and Satan. Um, and, and that's where they have it. It also, it says, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father, at the place that David had appointed on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Remember that uh, Jerusalem was, was uh, uh, David fought for that against the Jebusites and he won that. But what happens here at or or Ornan, if you look back at back in First uh, Chronicles 21, this is where David kind of gets a big head and decides to number the people. And, and God says, okay, uh, David, this is going to cost something you you've transgressed. And it's on that uh, on that site there. Uh, and the, the threshing floor where David finally offers up a sacrifice to God, thankful to God that, that he didn't wipe them completely out. So there's this, there's this total emphasis of sacrifice that happens there. David, remember, Ornan wants to give that to David. And David says, oh, no, no, I'm going to give a sacrifice. It's going to cost me something um, that's, uh, that's really going to be, be meaningful. Just like our gifts that we give to God, uh, we give not only the, the gift of our praise and our prayer, we give the gifts of our offerings, too. It costs us 
something because we realize that everything comes from God anyway. And, and then notice it says verse 3, these are Solomon's measurements. And, and I couldn't help but think about uh, when, when he gives the measurements of all of them, when, when you go ahead to Revelation, Revelation gets this picture of heaven in this picture language, this apocalyptic language. It, it mentions the dimensions of heaven and, and not so much that you can take a tape measure up there and measure, but it's completely symmetric. It's equal on every single side. Um, God's got it down to a T. He has everything taken care of. Um, he's dotted all the I's. He's, he's, uh, he's crossed all the T's. When it comes to heaven, it's going to be built perfectly. It's at perfect dimensions. It's going to be plumb for those of you who have a little uh, carpenter in your, in your background. Uh, it's done well. Then notice in verse 4, it says, there's a vestibule in front of the nave of the house. Now, traditionally, we've taken on those those terms for our church. Uh, we have our vestibule or our narthex. We have the nave, which is the main part of the church. And then uh, you have the, the, the front part of the church, the uh, um, uh, the chancel area. Um, and, and, and it's laid out in those kind of terminology. Old, old language taken back to the time of the temple. Uh, this is our place where we come and we meet God and remember the sacrifice that Christ gave to us and receive the benefits of that sacrifice on the altar, at the table, in church, in the Lord's Supper. Got catch the connections there. Um, it mentions in verse 8, he made the most holy place. This is that place where the Ark of the Covenant goes. This is that place. It even mentions the veil in verse 14. That veil that's put in, put in front of that heavy a heavy veil um, to show that there's a separation between God and man. Someone needs to bridge that gap to make that separation. Only the high priest once a year could go behind that curtain and offer up a sacrifice there, uh, symbolic of what God's going to eventually do in sending his son, Jesus Christ. And of course, you remember on Good Friday, it's that veil that's torn in two, symbolizing that now the separation between God and us has been bridged by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us. And then verse 10, it mentions the cherubim. And you hear cherubim quite a bit in scripture referenced many, many times. The Ark of the Covenant had two cherubim. And cherubim was a symbol. Uh, literally, the word means living creatures. In other words, we come before God. Jesus gave a living sacrifice on our behalf. And he is that sacrifice. It also was guarding. So the sense of God guarding us, again, against our enemies of sin and death and Satan. Um, God is, is, is the one who uh, guards us against that. Um, and, and he is he's our defender. And then one more thing at the very end, in the very last verse, it says, he set up the pillars in front of the temple, one on the south and the other on the, nor on the north. The one on the south is called Jachian, which means he will establish, which reminds them of the covenant God has established with us. God will do it. He will keep his promise. And the other on the north is Boaz, which means in him is strength. So what great pillars are on the north and on the south, and the Holy of Holies was facing east to the sun, to the rising of the sun, to the new day, just as uh, we remember that new day when the sun comes up in the east on that first Easter morning, and Jesus Christ is alive, and sin is conquered, and Satan is defeated, and death is overcome for us. So um, that's faced that way. And I'll tell you, in, in architecture in America, and, and I can't speak for, for Europe, but many churches are built with the, the, uh, the front of the church, not where you enter, but the front of the church is facing to the east. Now, our building here at St. Paul isn't like that. Um, it, it's turned differently, uh, but many of them are. But I can tell you one thing about our cemetery, and this is true of most Christian cemeteries, the bodies are lined east to west, with the head to the west, the feet to the east, 
because in thinking again, remembering this, the the, the tabernacle facing uh, uh, facing to the east, the holy of holies facing to the east. In the Gospels, it says like the like the sun comes up, Jesus is going to rise like the rising of the sun. So if he comes from the east, all those people who are buried in the cemetery, uh, when they sit up with their new glorified bodies, are going to sit up and see him coming. So all this wonderful, rich symbolism of the building, which yet we carry with us today. Our cemetery works that way too, uh, where my father's buried in Nebraska is, is uh, and my brother too, uh, both facing that way. Um, just to remind us amidst all the other chaos going on in the world, we come to the sanctuary to remind, it, remind ourselves of truth and of strength and of power and of hope and of peace that we have only, only in the Lord. God bless you as you read. Uh, sorry about that. I thought this was going to be a shorter one. Oops.